So as we're studying Proverbs, we're talking about wisdom, and we're talking about how to live wise lives, okay? We're talking about how to live wise lives for the Lord, wise lives for ourselves. So let's hit that next slide for me real quick. Tonight, we're actually going to kind of define what it means to be a fool, okay? We're going to see four ways in which foolish living happens in Proverbs 18. But, but when we study this idea of being a fool, we need to understand this. A fool is not something that we want to be, right? A fool is not something that we, we really, like, should desire to be like. You know, we watch TV, we watch cartoons, we watch movies, we watch all these things. And it's always kind of the, the, the silly, maybe the not so smart, maybe the not high IQ guy. It's always that person that's played for laughs, right? It's always that person that's like, that's the funny guy. That's the perfect, that, that's the person I want to be like. Fun fact, you know what show does not have a character like that? That I just discovered because of my child? Bluey. I've literally been just minding my own business, walking around going, do, 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 mom. Like, it's, anyways. But anyways, let's talk about this. So, so all this to say, like, we see the fool in TV, we see the fool in movies, we see the fool not in Bluey, but we see the fool all over the place, and it's like, that's the funny person. That's the person that gets the last, that's the, but understand this, guys scripturally speaking, when it talks about being a fool, that's not somebody that we want to be like. That, that's somebody who is quite honestly really stupid. That's quite somebody who's quite honestly really idiotic. That's somebody who's an imbecile in all ways. That's somebody who, as it says, knows better, but doesn't do it. So when I was a kid, um, uh, is, is all good. Y'all have never been to Upton, Kentucky, the thriving metropolis, okay? I was from a small town. Uh, I'm also from what I like to joke around and say a bad neighborhood. We're going to tell a story later on about why that is. But in Upton, Kentucky, uh, as all good southern families do, we had a nasty old ratty pickup truck that I think my dad bought for like $200. It couldn't get above 35 miles an hour, but we used it to go to like the Dollar General and things like that, right? And my dad told me when I was of the ripe age of like 10, he said, all right, son, we have all these sprawling hills behind us. There's all these sinkholes behind us. You have to understand, like in my neck of the woods, like if you had a sinkhole that opened up on your property, that was a good thing. A handshake and a gentleman's agreement say, hey, you give me $20, you can throw whatever you want in this sinkhole. So we did. Lawn trimmings, furniture, dead body. No, I'm just kidding. Anyways, you can throw anything. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So you can throw anything in these things. So my dad, he, like, we've got all these fields behind us, church members own. He said, hey, here's the keys to the truck. You can drive the truck all over these hills all you want to when I'm 10 years old, mind you. And understand this, like now as a parent, I know this is not a good idea, okay? But anyways, at 10 years old, you can drive this truck all over these hills. You have to make me three promises. All right, what's the three promises? Number one, fill it up with gas when you're, no, I'm just kidding. Number one, do not take it out on the main roads because I'm 10, right? Number two, let me know when you're going to drive the truck. Okay. Number three, put it back in the parking lot when you're done, in the driveway when you're done. Deal. So, Hunter, also at 10 years old, my favorite movies were the Mission Impossible movies. They're coming out with Mission Impossible 7, part one. I'm pretty stoked. 
And I'm hoping that by the time Mission Impossible 7 Part 2 opens, my child will be of age that we can share it together. Probably not. But anyways, so what I would do is I would take the truck, back it down. We had a like wooden deck on the back of our house, and I would grab a rope. And if you've ever watched any secret agent movie, if you've ever watched any spy movie, anything, there's that moment where they've got to break into that highly secured area, and there's those lasers that go all over the place. And if you get hit by the laser, it triggers it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So what I would do is I would take a spare rope, I'd anchor it to the trailer hitch of my dad's truck, and I'd run it this way and that way and all over this place. And I would make obstacle courses, and I would dive and all this stuff. And I imagine that my mom probably comes out like, Hunter, it's supper time. Okay, cool. And this is now that I'm older, I realize like ADHD, right? And so I would leave the truck. Dad looking for the truck. Oh, it's in the backyard. And my dad tells a story one time that he is like ramming the gas and the truck's going nowhere. And he can't figure it out. And he looks in the rear view mirror and my mom is on the deck screaming because the deck is going. And, and that's how I almost killed my mom. But anyways, all that to say, I didn't follow the directions. I didn't follow what was happening. And so then dad had to discipline me. He comes to me. He says, Hunter, you deliberately disobeyed me. Like Mufasa said to Simba, you deliberately disobeyed me. And then he said literally these words. He said, son, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. And it's taken me a lot of years of therapy to unpack that, y'all. But anyways, all that to say, when you talk about a fool, you talk about somebody who knows better. I knew better. I knew what I was supposed to do. I knew what I was supposed to what was expected of me, but I didn't do it. And what the Bible shows us and what Proverbs is going to show us is that that is something that looks like a fool, that that is somebody who's acting like a fool. So in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1, we're going to see four characteristics of what makes up a foolish person. And the first one, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1, it says this, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. So the first attribute of a fool is that it's somebody who isolates themselves. Now listen, sometimes you need some time to yourself. I'm not going to deny that. Sometimes, like when we get back from far retreat, when we get done with D now, when we get done with beach breakaway, all those things, I just, I just need a moment. Love y'all. I need a nap. I need a nice cup of coffee. I, I just need a moment to myself just to collect. But what, what Solomon is right here saying, if you are a fool, as a Christian, as a follower of God, as somebody who knows better, that you're somebody who is completely dis, unplugged, disengaged from the body as a whole. Because we, we need to be around body, the body. We need to be around community. We need to be around people who are going to encourage us, who are going to strengthen us, who are going to call us out on some of the things that we need to be called out on, who are going to point us to Jesus, who are going to encourage us and say, hey, have you read your Bible today? Hey, have you spent time with the Lord today? Hey, January 19th, guess what day it is? We need to be around the body of Christ. Because all of us here, we just got through a global pandemic Social distancing, all that nonsense, and stuff. Not, not nonsense, but all that stuff, all right? At any time during that time, did anybody feel isolated? Extroverts in the house, let me see your hands, please. At any time during all that time, did you feel isolated? Y'all, I, I tell the story. I spent two and a half hours in Kroger one time having conversations with people. I had no idea who they were because they were people. And I needed to talk to them. Guys, for believers, for Christians, that we need to be connected to the body of Christ. 
We need to be connected with one another. We need to be connected with people who are going to encourage and care about you and love you and want you to grow and want you to be strengthened in your walk with Christ. Because when you're isolated, you care about one person, and that's yourself. When you're isolated, you're gaining validation from one person, and that's yourself. When you're isolated, you're getting advice from one person, and that's yourself. And not all the times are we our own best God and our own best map for life, okay? So the first thing about being a fool is that somebody who isolates himself. Second, about being a fool, a fool is overly opinionated. Verses 2 through 5, it says this. It says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. When wickedness comes, contempt comes also, and with dishonor comes disgrace. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. It is not good to be partial to the wicked or to deprive the righteous of justice. As we see right here, as a fool is somebody who is overly opinionated. They're not caring about the truth. They're not caring about facts. They're not caring about saying what needs to be said. They care about being heard. They care about letting everybody know how they feel. They care about letting everybody know, this is how I'm feeling. And you look at people like that, even those that are saying right things, they're not always the people we want to hear, are they? Even the ones that are saying the right things, when they're saying it combatively, when they're saying it arrogantly, when they're saying it louder and louder and louder than everybody else, not all the time is that the person like, yeah, I want to I hear more from that. And even for them, their, their concern is more about winning arguments, is more about sounding smarter, is more about making the other person look more stupid or something like that. And all that to say that, guys, a fool is somebody who is opinionated. But opinionated also a step further that we know that we have God's truth in our lives, that we know that this is what God is calling us to do. We know the plans he has for us. And we talk about the facts of Scripture versus the opinions that we have of life. The way we're living our lives, is it reflecting the truth of God or is it reflecting just our own personal opinions about things? Because you see also a step further that part of the gospel, part of living for Christ, part of accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior is admitting our mistakes, is admitting our faults, is admitting our failures, and confessing that there is somebody greater than us for us to follow in this world. An overly opinionated person is just worried about making much of themselves and not much of the Lord. Solomon goes on, he doesn't say about being just overly opinionated, he says that words are also destructive and that words also have a tendency to be bad. You look at Verses, excuse me, verses 6 through 8, it says this. So a fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. That words also cause destruction. It says that, these, that a fool's words are looking to pick a fight. So I told y'all a little bit earlier that I'm from a you know, bad neighborhood. Um, let me tell you about a, a friend of mine named Charles uh, from high school. Now, Charles was the only ninth grader who also had a driver's license. Make of that what you will, okay? So one day in school, Hunter is sitting here, and Charles sits like up to the right of me, and Charles is not having a good day, and Charles is like, I want to go home. I want to go home. I want to go home. So, so naturally, what does Charles do? He goes to the office and tells them what? I'm sick. I don't feel good. And our principal looks at Charles and says, Charles, you big baby, I see right through your lies. You're not sick. They took his temperature. They took everything. You're not sick. You're not going home. Sorry about you. Go back to class. 
And for the next hour, Charles fumed in class, and he was upset, and he was angry, and he's just like, oh, I'm just so mad. When the bell sounded, I vividly remember, Charles made the comment before he walked out of class. He said, you know what? If they're not going to let me go home, I'm going to make them send me home. And I, I kid you not, Charles found the first person with a pulse that walked past him, popped him as hard as he could right in the nose, and got suspended for four days. And he, he accomplished his task. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. But, but it's this, uh, this violent, destructive tendency that our words sometimes have. It's, it's this, this, this violent, destructive tendency that is looking for fight, that is looking to hurt, that is looking to scorn, that is looking to cut down. Guys, for all of us here, we, we all grew up reciting, hopefully, probably a lot of reciting this old phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but what? Words will never hurt me. Can I see hands real quick? Has anybody ever been hurt by words before? Yes. And guys, you see that a fool is, is overly opinionated, but he's not careful with the words that he's saying. And when he's not careful with the words he's saying, what he's doing is he's causing destruction. He's causing hurt. He's causing bad things to happen with the words that he's saying. Book of James, he even writes a whole chapter basically that's saying, hey, you cannot contain your tongue. You cannot control the tongue. We can control horses. We can control giant battleships. We can control all these things. But the tongue can set a field ablaze. Guys, body of Christ, followers of Christ, listen to me. We need to be careful with what we say. We need to be careful with the words we say. We need to be careful with how we're saying them. We need to be careful with what we're saying when we think nobody's listening. Because our words can hurt, our words can be destructive, and a fool's words are destructive. A fool also, lastly, in verse 9, it says this, that they're just plain lazy. Verse 9 says, Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. Guys, it's very plain and simple right there, that a fool is lazy. And guys, for the body of Christ, for Christians, for believers, we have a great task ahead of us. We have a great task that God has let it plainly known. This is what he expects of our lives. This is what we're supposed to do. This is how we're supposed to live our life. This is how we're supposed to model life. This is the mission and the message of our life is what he's laying out for us. And if you look a step further, as we've really defined what it looks like to be a fool right there. If there's somebody who is isolated, there's somebody overly opinionated, there's somebody who's destructive with their words, somebody who's lazy, and that's somebody that we don't want to be like. That's somebody as Christians, as followers of Christ. We're not supposed to live like that. So what are we supposed to model? Well, if you study the life of Jesus, you study the life of the Lord, you study how he lived his life and the things that he did in his ministry on this earth, that you see the complete 180 of that fool that we just talked about. We talk about someone who's isolated. You look at the life of Jesus. In Mark chapter 1, verse 17, he finds his disciples. He says, follow me. That Jesus was surrounded by people, that Jesus was surrounded by brothers that he could teach, that he could admonish, that he could build up, that, that would live life alongside him. That you see a fool as somebody who's overly opinionated. You look at Jesus, that Jesus says in John chapter, 30, John chapter 5, verse 30, it says, I seek not my will, but the will of the one who sent me. That Jesus was not about making opinions, that Jesus was not about making much of himself, that Jesus was about making much of the truth of who God is. And who God sent Jesus to be. 
You look at a fool as somebody who is destructive with their words. John chapter 10, verse 10. It says that the thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. I come that you may have life and you can have it abundantly. Jesus didn't come to point a finger and say, you messed up, you did bad, you horrible person. Jesus came to say, hey, there is a God who loves you and you can know him in return. And you look at somebody who's lazy, a fool, but you look at the life of Jesus all throughout his life was spent working, was spent caring, was spent making much of the kingdom of God, was spent serving the kingdom of God, was spent exhausting himself for the sake of the kingdom of God. And so we see right here, as we're closing things out, verse 10, that we see throughout Proverbs chapter, one, Proverbs chapter 18, verses 1 through 9, we see a fool, we see the life of Jesus. And guys, as we, we talked about earlier, that a fool is somebody who knows better but doesn't do it. And guys, some of us here tonight, I don't know what your life is. I don't know what your life story is. I don't know what your walk with Christ is. I don't know if you have made a decision to follow Christ before and you're just not doing it and living it out right now. I don't know if you've never made the decision to follow Jesus before. One of the wisest things that we read in Proverbs chapter 18 comes in verse 10. It says this, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs to it and he is safe. The righteous woman runs to it, and she is safe. That you look at Jesus, that you look at the Lord, you look at the God that we serve. It is a strong tower that we can run to it, we can be safe. And guys, in a world that is surrounded by fools, in a world where living for Christ, guys, is going to cost us things. In a world where fools are going to say hurtful things and hurt us, hurt people we care about, break our hearts. In a world of all these things, there's a God who is a strong tower you can run to and you can be safe. I'm going to ask the band to come on up here real quick. And guys, that is an invitation for all of us here tonight. If you're here tonight and you have never experienced a relationship with the Lord, if you're here tonight and you do not know what it means to be a Christian, if you, know, if you do not know what it means to be saved, if you've heard that word all your life, but you've never really asked the question, what does that mean? Guys, what, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Come find me. Come find a small group leader. Come find a friend. Come find somebody that you know knows the answer to that question or can point you in the right direction for that question. Because as we just said, there is a world full of fools. Let's be wise. Let's be different. But day in and day out, let's run to the strong tower that will keep us safe. And if you're here tonight, guys, you're isolated, you're alone, but there is a God who will stick closer to you than a brother, who is a strong tower that you can run to to be safe. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you. And God, we are grateful that you have shown us and given us the blueprint of how we need to live our lives. And God, that's... That's not for ourselves. That's not to make a name for ourselves in this world. That's not to make a big deal about us or to be thought of as cool or popular or funny or all those things for the next 80, 90 years of our lives. But Lord, you've called us to make much of you. You've called us to make your name known. You've called us to make your name proclaimed. You've called us to show others the strong tower to run to and find safety and find shelter, Lord. God, I pray for those brothers and sisters here tonight 
that do not know what that strong tower is. God, that have been building lives up of sticks and stones that, God, that any storm in life is, is just blowing over. But God, there is a strong tower that remains firm, that remains steadfast, that remains planted, that we can run to and we can find comfort, we can find peace, we can find shelter, God, we can find home. And God, that's my prayer tonight, is that as we leave this place, Lord, that we will have people who do not know home and will find home in you tonight. And I pray these things in your name. Amen.